Rise, guys. Rise, gals. This is a bad impression of a special guest star for a special episode. Someone who we know you all love because he's a contemporary. (laughs) Uh, I'm Russ Fader. I'm Jonathan Mopoli. (laughs) And this is made about made about you. Here. So let's break it down now. It's just what we do. It's mad about, mad about you. Oh, I'm sorry, everybody. I was trying to come up with a different way to introduce this episode, but it's the only way that seemed fitting and the only thing that I could make happen. Well, yeah, we can't get Jerry Lewis. <laughs> no. <laughs> Spoiler alert for the episode of Mad About You that we're going to talk about. Jerry Lewis is in this episode of Mad About You. Yeah, which you're going to, I'll get to anyway very shortly because of the uh, episode description. Absolutely. Is this the part where we do that already? Yeah. Well, uh, this is the part where. Oh, the uh, weeks? How the weeks were? Yeah, the weeks. You you, you know how this goes. (laughs) We'll get through it. How was your week? Uh, uh, This is, my week was good. Before we do weeks, we talk about how this is Mad About Mad About You, your weekly recap podcast for Mad About You. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then we say, how was your week, John? Pretty good. Great. <laughs> I don't know. It was great. I did a 36-hour scavenger hunt in L.A. That sounds like a lot of fun. Two hours sleep. <laughs> Two hours, Saturday morning to Sunday night. Holy. Was oh, it fun? It was deeply. Uh, it was the, it's the most exhilarating time of your life. Uh, so now it's all downhill. It's like living in a video game. <laughs> we used Twitter. We had to find an old Nintendo magazine and a, and a Duck Hunt gun for part of it. And we we ended up at this stranger's house in Culver City who has like a Nintendo museum in his in one of their bedrooms. And I don't even know if it's open to the public, but it's the most curated. Like he has display cases and like it's laid out like a little museum. I kind of want to go. Holy cow. (laughs) Like just to visit. That's amazing. Oh, also, I learned how to beat Super Mario Brothers level one blindfolded because that was one of the uh, blindfolded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like if you could beat a blindfolded, uh, you get so many points. Holy cow. You just spend 20 minutes, reverse engineer the level, time it out. <laughs> One of my proudest moments. That's so great. I love it. How was your week? Um, my week was good. Um, I can't I gosh, I can't remember what I did recently, but a little while ago. Have I spoken about Pacific Overtures on this show yet? No, I was gonna ask you. Yeah. I've never seen it. My high school did it in Japan. That makes sense. The year before uh, I got I s- there. Okay. I saw the musical Pacific Overtures a few weeks ago. At CSC. Uh, yes. Classic stage. Slash company. Every Man uh, Espresso. What? That's the name of the espresso shop in there, right? Oh, my gosh. I need to tell the story about the espresso line. I always say it's the best uh, best entertainment in a coffee shop in uh, the world. <laughs> you are not wrong. Holy cow. I'm trying to remember now because it was just unbelievable. Uh, so, okay. First of all, let me say... Stephen Sondheim's Pacific Overtures is wonderful, and it is very, it is infrequently done, very, infrequently performed. Yes. It's an all Asian cast, and it's a brilliant. Even playing work. the white guys, yes, Twist. and it's also really the way the white guys are written. Uh huh. I don't know if you know this about the I show, don't. but the way the white guys are written, they speak in broken English. Really? Yes. So it's a commentary. This was so on, ahead of its time. Because when was this was, made? The eighties, mid mid seventies, mid seventies. Wow. Yeah. Did Lapine write the book? 
You talk. I'm gonna look. I don't. Th- I don't think so. I think it was the other uh, one of the other big the other collaborators. Yeah, I can't recall who right now. I can't pull the name. I'm looking. You keep talking. But it was so John Weidman. Yes, Weidman. Yes. Oh, he's an American librettist and television writer for Sesame Street. Hang on, John. So it was so good. The guy who wrote for Sesame Street wrote the book. <laughs> Wait, what's his name? Or John Weidman. The... John Weidman. Yes. Things just got a little bit lousy with our connection. So that's why I'm a little bit confused at the moment. But Russ just did a popper. That's what. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I'm truth. sorry. I just, yeah. I just, I just took some hard drugs. <laughs> so anyway, so Pacific Overtures. <laughs> no, um, so the show was great. George Takai oh, was cool. in it. So was Anne Hamada, who was from the original Broadway cast of Avenue Q. And, oh, uh, sure. Yeah. Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. Yes. Wonderful show. Thought provoking. Really great. Before that, I went to that coffee place that's in the building, in the theater, for a cup of coffee. And behind me, there was this woman. And I opened the refrigerator, and the woman sees in the refrigerator, and she goes, boy, you guys got enough milk in there? (laughs) And the guy says, well, you know, you'd be surprised at how fast it goes. She's like, wow, yeah, I'll, I'll bet. And I have not yet ordered. I'm in front of her. This sounds like such an L.A. conversation, like an L.A. coffee shop thing. I believe it. Where you step in, you and think then, it'll be two seconds, and it's 45 minutes mm-hmm. because everyone's looking and for a she, friend. Yeah, yeah. She starts giving her order in front of, like, before me. She's like, she looks down. She's like, so uh, where do you have? You guys have any sandwiches? This is all you have? Oh, my gosh. What is like, she from outer space? Like, what are you talking about? It's like, uh, you got only the ham and cheese here? And he's like, well, yeah. She's like, so you don't have any food? Anything else? For it's like, no, this isn't. This is a coffee. This is a coffee bar in front of a theater. A theater. Go to a restaurant, lady. Yeah. And so then he puts down somebody's espresso. Uh-huh. Don't tell and me she takes it. Well, she says she was like, who's that for? I'll take it. Russ. And he's like, what? He's like, she said, uh, is that for somebody? He's like, <gasps> yeah, it's for somebody. He's like, well, if nobody claims it, I'll take it. This is amazing. And he's just like, well, I'm pretty sure somebody's going to claim it. I, I know they will. Occam's Razor says the simplest explanation is usually the right one. Okay. I think the simplest explanation is literally that she's an alien in a human form. <laughs> the behavior is the, so bonkers. It was crazy. Then the guy looks at me and he's just like, I'm sorry, can I help you? Have you ordered? I was like, sure. Uh, and I'm just like, I'll just have a, a small coffee, please. I, like, like, I go into, oh, thank you. I go into super... Yeah. Super sweet mode. Can I please? Oh, he's like, uh, I'm like skim milk. He's like, we only have regular milk. I'm like, That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're taking care of him. Yeah. I'm an ally, pal. Yeah. You can see my it's coffee that, shaped uh, safety pin on my uh, lapel. <laughs> that, oh, that's 225. Great. Here's $50. You keep it. <laughs> like... Hey, one day, one day. <laughs> so that was my uh, month ago. You know, my sweet story um, about that place. I'm sorry. <laughs> But it's true. I went to see Uncle Vanya there with the Dennis O'Hare in 2008, maybe. Uh-huh. Directed by Austin Pendleton. And it was very hard to get a ticket. It was a, it was a massively sold-out production. And it was the last few days of the show. And me uh-huh. and my friend went to try to get standby tickets. And we got there like an hour early. And who mm-hmm. was waiting? The three of us are waiting. Me, my friend, and Judith Light. Oh, my goodness. Didn't pull any strings or connections or nothing. She's waiting with the two of us. She gets turned wow. away with the two oh. of us. We go back the next day, even earlier, and she's there again. Stop it. Yeah. 
It was this so This is sweet. amazing. Holy cow. It was so, you know, that's why people love New York. That's great. I love it. I love this story. And we all got in. Oh, I think good. she might have pulled the string the second thing. I don't know. <laughs> Well, of course. I mean, if anybody could, it would be her. She's the boss. Oh, so, um, gosh, what a satisfying <laughs> play on words. <laughs> Did she? I would have loved for her to say that. Not I'm the boss. Just be like, yeah, not even to just be like, do you know who I am? I'm Judith Light. For her to be like, excuse me, I'm the boss. <laughs> she didn't pull it like that. I mean, back channels, she got a ticket, baby. <laughs> she didn't walk up to the window and go, excuse me. Hello. The boss has arrived. <laughs> Melissa McCarthy's here. <laughs> Ooh, isn't that what that movie's called? Lady Boss. Or it something? is. No, it's just called The Boss. It's not called Lady okay. Boss. I'm sorry. I'm channeling an 80 year old man. <laughs> You're gross. It's... Well, you know what? That's what happens. That's what happens when you do an episode all about Jerry Lewis. Yeah. Remember that movie Lady Doctor? Like that. <laughs> <laughs> they did a whole bunch of them. Lady Ghostbuster. Yeah, why, why, why didn't they call that movie Nurse? You know, <laughs> who ever heard of a lady doctor? Remember Little Lady so... Women? <laughs> So, oh gosh, so tonight's episode of Mad About You was season one, episode 17, and it is called The Billionaire. Yes, it's we're still on Saturdays. It's still a yes. Saturday night special, and I'm going to guess mm-hmm. this might have been Sweeps Week, as you guys will oh, see. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I think... Uh, because yeah, are, what a special we are, episode. We are deep in the throes of February sweeps. Um, So, the TV Guide description... I don't know if it rarely does this. I might have just noticed it for the first time. It says the billionaire, mm-hmm. and in parentheses, it says who it is. And I feel like they don't always do that. But it's uh, no, so notable don't. here. Obviously. But that's because, yeah, that's. I think that may be because the yeah. title doesn't always refer to a specific character. Because you can hear. They couldn't, they couldn't say sofa's choice, and then in parentheses say the sofa that they buy <laughs> in the episode. <laughs> the, the hideous sofa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it says the billionaire, Jerry Lewis. Who wants mm-hmm. Paul to make a film about him is a little too friendly, while Paul's new cameraman hardly speaks. That's so, true. A, we went back to the old guy because mm-hmm. we don't need the second part. Don't need the second That's part. That's B plot. Right, at best. And Oh, and but you know what? I'll say at best, it is the best part of this episode. I couldn't far and away. Uh, so before we started recording, I got the impression from Russ that he did not like this episode. I did not. I know you're gonna love it, right? I <laughs> I thought the well, last week or the week before was one of my favorite episodes. This one, I think this one is the beginning of the next phase of Mad About You that speaks to the entire reason I love the show to begin with. <laughs> I knew you were going to love it. I think this episode is, watching, is, is like, Mad About You canon. I'm watching. I'm like, John is going to love this dumb This stuff. Mad About You is oh. the Rosetta Stone against which all future choices they make can be translated and understood. That may be true. It uh, It also, I'm not sure <laughs> if we said the date, but oh gosh. That's so this is This is from... February, yeah, February 20th, 1993. Yeah. Let me tell you what else happened. Must hear uh, TV. That night. Must hear TV. It's time. We're so, going to make that happen. Yes, we're, we're going for it, by gosh. So ABC had, we're not going to talk in depth about this one, but ABC had uh, an episode of Columbo. <gasps> A TV mm-hmm. movie? Yes, called Murder in Malibu. Oh, I mean, I'll do respect to Matt about you. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Because well, I th- you know what? I think Columbo was on beforehand. You might have been able to watch. What both. a night! Yeah. <laughs> Why would anyone go out on a Saturday night? Because <laughs> those Columbo TV movies were fairly rare at that point, and what a treat! That's true. I'm sure it did well. But I want to talk about a special that was on CBS that night. Okay. 
Saturday nights on CBS, I think this may become a trend because they had a lot of special things. And on this night, they had the discovery of Noah's Ark. Oh, I remember these because I grew up in a Baptist church. Yeah. This is a documentary topic. <laughs> yeah. Very this is common. A documentary. I remember yeah. all these different documentaries and some more yep. credible than others. Keep going. I love yeah, this topic. No, yeah. This was a documentary. So let me cut to the chase. So one of the key the segments. Noah, the Noah's Ark chase scene? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Noah, played by Gene Hackman in Barry, The French Connection. how the hell did you lose an ark? <laughs> <laughs> oh, just before my retirement. Wait, there he is. Go. <laughs> Follow that emu. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, so here's the deal. One of the biggest elements of this episode of this movie, this documentary, mm-hmm. was a guy named George Jamal. Mm-hmm. And George Jamal was uh, featured having a piece of sacred wood from the ark. From the ark. Do you know about do you, how much of this do you know? I don't remember these specifics, but like they're okay. connected. The dots are connecting in my head as you speak. Can I ask one question? Please. Did this have like a special title? Like it was like stories of the Bible or something like every Sunday or every Saturday night or anything like that or no? I believe it was the first of what was going to be three. Okay. Gotcha. Done by an independent production team. Cool. Okay. That I guess went on to work exclusively at the History Channel. Oh. Which is not necessarily true. In fact, I just made it up. But judging by the fact that they're like, this is a documentary about Noah's Ark. And now that's all the History Channel is. Oh, it's okay. all just like, here are uh, yeah. the pyramids. Okay. So, not a leap as much as, uh, as a joke. But anyway. So <laughs> oh, I get it. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So George Jamal apparently went to Turkey to Mount oh Ararat. Gosh, is this ringing a bell? And he has this piece of wood, this yeah. old piece of fossilized wood yeah. that he says is from Noah's Ark. Mm-hmm. Would you believe mm-hmm. that it is a hoax? See, this is where... <laughs> I... Listen, you can't talk about religion or politics, right? But this is my issue with Christians running to back anything... <laughs> They feel backs them before they vet it intellectually. It makes me crazy. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. So we're going to jump right into something. Oh, You're going to no. help me out. No, 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 no. Well, look, I didn't watch it, but I'm going to. Here we go. Hey, John. Dateline. Whoa. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So here we go. Hear a whooshing sound. It's the credibility of CBS. <gasps> Falling like a brick hurled oh. from the top of its Black Rock headquarters in New York. I don't know if that makes a whoosh. A brick. It, yeah, everyone knows it, the sound a brick makes when it falls. Whoosh. Whoosh. Like, you ever, uh, you ever pick up a seashell on the beach and put it to your ear and you can hear the sound of bricks <laughs> falling out of windows? <laughs> what paper is this from? Uh, Not the New York Times. The L- no, the LA Times. This makes so much sense now. Get a new metaphor dictionary, simile dictionary. George Jamal did not visit Turkey's Mount Ararat. He didn't even go? Nope. CBS had no plans to reveal the hoax to the 20 million viewers who watched this. Here's what CBS had to say about it. They said, the show never purported that the wood was from the Ark, only that the person, Jamal, said it was from the Ark. Oh, did Mike Daisy produce it? <laughs> Basically, Shots yeah. fired. I'm joking. I love you, Mike Daisy. Boom. I love Mike Daisy, too, but he but messed that, up. That, yeah, that thing bothered me. Yeah, that's not cool. So George Jamal 
was really an actor. What? And the sacred wood from Noah's Ark was taken from a Long Beach railroad track, and it was hardened by cooking it with various sauces in an oven. I read an essay that he wrote on some atheist website about how he wanted to hoax the hoaxers. Oh, no. Yeah. We are so stupid. So he was like, he put it out there that, yeah, he, he talked to a USC biblical history professor who told him how to fool the producers. Like, say this, do oh, that, yeah. bring this. This is how you get on television. Oh, and my gosh. He did it, and he brought this fake piece of wood. And CBS, yeah, they never they never went public with a full apology and retraction because they were like, you know what? If we did that, it would just bring more press to the situation. It would just bring more publicity when really they just didn't want to say, hey, we're wrong. Sorry for putting this out. But they did not go forward with the two other movies. that they Really? Made. Yeah. Wow. HBO, where is the TV movie about yeah, this guy? For sure. What a fascinating con man. It was pretty neat. When I first looked up you know, the discovery of Noah's Ark. This was the top article. I did not expect the top thing. The first thing that to I read to fake. say, to say, hear that whooshing sound. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I thought I would have some facts rather than cutting straight to an editorial. But uh, I, can't, I can't believe it. It's pretty wild. It's so, so frustrating. It's like the fake news thing. It's like, yeah, sure. Is it fake news? Fine. Are you dumb for believing it? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't it's, negate. It's, oh, boy. I could talk about this for too long. You know, just because they haven't discovered the Ark doesn't necessarily negate your faith. It, yes. Like, wait for it. Don't just hop <laughs> on board any piece of wood anyone throws at you. <laughs> at least ask questions. There's also fascinating. Better questions. I, I did a lot of fascinating reading in high school about this. Yeah. By this physicist in Toronto named Hugh Ross, who uh, went to Caltech, who looks at the original uh, texts of the, uh, it says in the Torah, right, Noah? Genesis, is that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And looks at the Hebrew and the language and talks about how mm -hmm. it's, you know, a little flexible. It doesn't have to be the whole world. It could be a valley. It doesn't necessarily sure. any animal. Maybe the animals from the area. Like, it's so, it's like, oh, right. I remember in Hebrew school, somebody being, I, I think they said something about, I could be totally wrong about this, but some sort of windmills, either windmills or a natural disaster involving like a cyclone and being like, and that is how the sea parted. That's how the Red Sea parted. Oh, so just like trying to like trying to reverse engineer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a field called these... apologetics. It's a field of theology called apologetics. Interesting. And there used to be a man named That's... the Bible Answer Man who had a radio show in the 80s <laughs> and 90s who would take phone calls from people and answer them. And there were always questions like this. Really? Oh, sure. Oh, my gosh. I know a lot. Of, I did, I, listen, we got to move on because I could talk about this forever. We do. So that was on television. Great. What was in the news? Oh, good. Please. Dateline. Do, 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 do. Go ahead. February 14, 1993. Hi, Gavolt. New Yorkese, <laughs> an endangered dialect? Oh, my gosh. Talk to... It's written in New Yorkese in Great. the New York Times. Talk to a young New Yorker these days, and the first thing you may notice is that he or she don't talk like this no more. <laughs> Holy moly. Although New Yorkers' emphatic finger-in-the-chest style of talking is alive and well, the oi of the toity toit street, the air of Ersterbar, and the deezes, dems, and doses of legend have gone the way of automats, Ebbetsfield, and American-born taxi drivers. Oh, man. Whoop. I did not see that coming. Whoops. Ooh. Whoops. Ooh. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, wow. What an aggressively <laughs> xenophobic statement at the end yeah. of an innocuous paragraph. Yeah, does the rest of this just go on to just rail against immigrants? Because yeah, also, <laughs> we, a, we know the greatest, a soft, the most prevalent a, uh, New Yorkese is most prevalent among WASP communities that have been here since 1600. <laughs> written by Deborah Sontag, who now I might have an issue with. Oops. Oh, wait, this is, oh, guys, I should have read this. I mean, no, this is great. I'll talk. Do you want to? I I can talk about a, a related thing if you wanted to. If 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 your article is too gross, no, I can it, talk about. Language. I want it to be gross. This is crazy. Go for it. Can you believe this? New York talk at its purest persists in the city's few white to ethnic enclaves. I mean, that's not not true. I guess fine among sure. older New Yorkers, and in movies about the mob and television shows about detectives, but on the playgrounds and in the offices of daily New York life. The pungent dialect that brands New Yorkers in the popular American imagination seems to be fading into history. I guess it's that it's written from the perspective of someone who's longing for the past but doesn't understand that the dialect that they love came out of a change that was once present. Yes. It's somebody who doesn't like who, who's just uh, doesn't like change. Doesn't like change. And all the change is coming from people that don't look like her. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I was watching a uh, uh, or I was listening to a Beatles podcast and they were talking to people who were outside of the world's fair in 1964 uh-huh. and outside of uh shea stadium mm. when he when they were playing there and all of these teenagers were unbelievably thick accented oh. you couldn't but like it was like they were doing it on purpose so that you knew that they were in new york oh i just love the beatles oh Paul's it's amazing my favorite yeah. <laughs> he's the most oh and john i just love him all oh even one more than the other uh, the i nanny. just love him. it sure. was unbelievable oh christopher lochner 26 a counterman at the pastrami king in kew gardens queens prides himself on being a speaker of genuine new yorkese i'll put it to you this way we're a dying breed he said i got a seven-year-old brother who has no accent whatsoever the kid's great. There's nothing wrong with him, but it's like he talks more laid back, like his mouth's easier on the words. <laughs> yeah, my mouth wrestles. My- <laughs> every every void's a fight with me. Uh, <laughs> oh, he, the, he, she says the co- she thinks the cops keep the dialect alive. Many old New Yorkers, including such expressive types as Henny Youngman and Ed Koch, assert they do not speak the dialect or that it has ever existed outside Jimmy Durante movies. At the Friars sure. Club recently, Mr. Youngman declared of the New York dialect, there was never such a thing. <laughs> a nearby <laughs> diner joke, take his accent, please. Oh, I get it. Take his accent, please. Please. Perfect. Great job, diner goer. And Mr. Oh, this is great. And Mr. Koch, noting that his grammar was perfect because he had studied Latin, <laughs> acknowledged oh, only, man. my intonation is not Midwest. And he added that the <laughs> death of strong New York dialect should not be mourned. Good. F- I agree, Koch. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I love it more than anything. In fact, my voice drifts towards it every time we record this podcast more than it does in daily life. Absolutely. But he says, I would not want our kids to go back to dis and dem, he said. I think it would be horrible. It would cost them many rungs. <laughs> how do you say that word? H-O-R-R-I-B-L-E. Horrible. That's how I say it. Horrible. It's a little, I picked, because my grandmother spoke New Yorkese. Yes. Even though she and got it from I, Cleveland. I, I... <laughs> isn't that a great That's, story um, though beautiful beautifully done there is no new yorkies now I, which is weird to me i guess the diversity of immigrants must have evened out in terms of maybe at the time you could say you know what there's mostly these groups of people moving to new york and now you could say well there's everyone everybody's here so the dialect doesn't settle as evenly maybe citywide um 
Pro- I mean, probably. I don't know. I also don't know. But there are definitely new dial, like uh, New Yorkian. Right. That's like a new. That's like the new the New Yorkies of now, or even the last twenty years, maybe. I don't know. New Yorkian is a very hip new I mean, New York dialect. <laughs> it's also we live in twenty seventeen. You can just walk around putting that voice on. <laughs> the hip new dialect <laughs> is New Yorkian. <laughs> oh, I didn't know what it was when I moved to New York, and I I saw this New Yorkian cafe in the East Village, and I was like, "What is that?" And I was like, "Oh, I see. Cool." Oh, okay. You got there. Dateline. Go ahead. He runs trash hauling with silence and pastry. (laughs) Every Tuesday with unshakable punctuality, a gray-haired man hobbling on two canes arrives at noontime at a tan brick building in lower Manhattan, often bearing pastries that he shares over cups of espresso with other men. Outwardly, the man, James Faila, 74, has a grandfatherly appearance, but... Law enforcement officials say he's a mobster who, at these cannoli clatches, carves up New York City rubbish collection routes in a way that creates the highest private carting rates in the country. Yeah! Do you believe it? (laughs) Oh, man. Law enforcement depicts him as a senior statesman in the Gambino crime family, an organized crime's pivotal figure in extracting payoffs from the city's private garbage hauling industry, a $1 billion annual business. Kindly old man. Yeah, but also like his expertise. He's almost like the accountant that Ben Affleck plays in the movie Accountants. <laughs> like, like he, I didn't, I didn't see it. It's a relatively mundane job, mm-hmm. but he does it for criminals. That's. Funny. I mean, maybe it's not super mundane. Maybe he gets into it a little. But I mean, it sounds like he is just very good at figuring out ways to exploit garbage routes. Let me ask you this: Did you know that Bob Newhart was originally an accountant? No, I didn't. Yes. Well, that he makes was an accountant before he became a stand And I think. Without having had seen it, I think the action movie The Accountant would have been much better with Bob Newhart instead of Ben Affleck. Oh, and where is uh, the family guy to uh, do that kind of way? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. It doesn't matter. I watched a documentary on New York garbage collectors in the 70s. <laughs> That's on yeah. YouTube. They were called Sandmen. Really? Yeah, because the hours they would do it is when you're wiping the sand out of your eyes. Stop it. Yeah. Isn't that a fun that nickname, is, though, for a garbage man? Look, that is a fun nickname. Wiping the sand out of your eyes is not a saying or a thing. Yes, it is. <laughs> Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. Do, 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 do. The sand is the sand, the crust in your eyes. I Am I wrong? I don't. Look, I've never heard it. I think you're wrong because you don't know. Like, you don't have any assertion. I have at least an assertion. <laughs> and written is, I, history's written just, by the winners. <laughs> I'm just the doubting Thomas? Yes. You're, you're, you're just saying sand means you're wiping the sand out of your eyes. And if you and can't I'm refute saying, it, I'm right. I, I don't think so. That doesn't sound right to me. Well, if anyone has any opinions out there, we'd love to hear them on this. Dateline. <laughs> Go ahead. Going to court. Cabbies hail this man. February 17, 1993. There's a seedy Times Square rating room in this taxi driver. That is taxi driver hell. A place where all those cab-driving tormentors of New Yorkers huddle in their black and brown leather jackets, their moods sullen as they wait to be called to account before the Taxi and Limousine Commission's taxi court. But the gloom changes subtly with the entrance of Tony Felizzi, the cab driver's friend, a guy with the stocky build of a cop, a silver bracelet, a beeper on his belt, and eyes that don't flinch when he talks to the cabbie who hit a passenger in the face with a tow chain. <laughs> He has the air of a lawyer, the court street kind, but he's only the cab driver's representative without benefits of law degree. 
has the sides busted all over the waiting room point out, quote, please be advised that representatives are not attorneys. <laughs> but within minutes, a line of supplicants has formed at Mr. Felizzi's side. Tony, you remember me? Whispers a fellow in a black leather jacket, his stomach protruding well beyond the zipper. Ugh, mean. Yeah, I saw your picture at my post office, says Mr. Felici. <laughs> What's the matter? What does that mean? He's on a wanted sign? Yes, he's joking. Oh, oh, wow. I am not picking up on anyone's jokes today. <laughs> a quiet man who's unusually, who is unusually dapper in a dark suit and who wants to appeal a fine is next. Mr. Felici tells him to get a tape of his hearing. He scans the papers and the driver, the driver's handed him. Touching a complainant's breast, he reads slowly out loud. Uh-oh. Man, oh, man. What a creep. Also, you, you, this is, he should be in a real court. Yes. This is not a matter for legal Zoom. Yeah. We need right. to get- <laughs> yeah, no, he should be in jail. Did they convict <laughs> him on all three charges? 350 bucks, he asks, paying more attention to his impassive client. The guy did you a favor. He could have killed you. This case could be a loser. This will take work. This will cost 50 bucks. Holy smokes. Isn't that amazing? There's a special breed of New Yorkers, of New Yorkers who sees opportunity where others see only bureaucracy. And such individuals end up with professions not easily transferable to other places. Oh, this is real. I mean, I guess I know it was real, but it's prevalent enough to be in the Times. Listen to this. Movers of cars to comply with alternate side of the street rules. What? Yeah. That episode of Seinfeld? (laughs) I assume that was maybe something that happened to him in his neighborhood. You know what I mean? Sure. But that's widespread enough to be a, a thing that is covered. I believe that's a thing. So yeah, it not only happens in Jerry Seinfeld's neighborhood in New York, it happens in this other neighborhood of New York as well. Wow, this is rampant. Well, no, the city, the whole <laughs> I mean, if it's in the Times on this, come on. No, I hear you. Oh, wow. He got his master's degree in Chinese. Wow. Oh, he served in Vietnam, too. After serving in Vietnam, he drove a cab to put himself through City College at St. John's. Then when he became one of the very few New Yorkers to believe that every taxi driver needs a break. All the time I was in Vietnam, I was in less danger than when I was in the front seat of a taxi cab, he says. When you're in a war zone, you got a fighting chance to defend yourself. Why wasn't Full Metal Jacket Man. set in a cab? I, d- I don't know. Full Metal Jacket 2 will be. <laughs> also, uh, you could say the chassis and shell of a taxi cab is a Full Metal Jacket. That's ch- You could say that. <laughs> you can't refute it. It's true. Uh- <laughs> Isn't that great? But that reminded me of, excuse me, I'm sorry to do this. I cut an article out of the New York Post... <laughs> In 2015, because I thought it was so funny, and it relates. The headline, this is the post, what a bird brain. Goofy really lets guy keep pigeons in Manhattan apartment. Basically, this guy had to go to court because he wanted to keep pigeons in his apartment. Uh-huh. And there was a lawyer, a Murray Hill bird man, blah, 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 My, blah, 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 blah. I think that most New Yorkers would agree that riding the elevator with a pigeon, he would bring pigeons into the elevator in a bag, a plastic bag. Or living in a building where your neighbors have a pigeon coop is not desirable, Brett said. I think many of us try to avoid pigeons. The lawyer said he's weighing an appeal, although using the loophole is not unpre- There's a loophole about evicting birds from 1929 <laughs> in the oh old God. laws. But it says Matty Taranovsky, a lawyer who successfully defended a 2006 city pigeon eviction case, says she found an ornithologist who testified that there were no biological differences between Antwerp pigeons and their street cousins. So basically, wow. this guy, uh, this lady does bird law. <laughs> yeah. Which reminds me of taxi law. She's an avian lawyer. But all, <laughs> all of these different weird uh, niche legal needs. Would you go and see a movie that was Batman versus bird law? <laughs> 
No, it would have to be Batman versus Robin, and Robin would have to be a bird lawyer. Would have to be a bird lawyer. <laughs> Actually, Batman and Robin would be a great because our bats birds. They are not. They're mammals. But shouldn't they just be considered because they fly? <laughs> but shouldn't they be birds? <laughs> you know what? Hey, look. For years and years and years, we all thought that dinosaurs were turned into reptiles, and now we realize they turned into birds. Who's to say that Batman in, you know, in 150 years, we're going to learn that Batman was a bird the whole time? Thank you. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> Dateline. Do, 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 do. Go ahead. Feb 16, 93, when mom and grandma are one and the same. Okay. Fairy tale comes true when Orchard Park woman gives birth to her grandchild. Oh, no, it's not a metaphor. Apparently, this <laughs> is a thing. Is this still a thing, though? Uh, what? Mark Weisselowski popped the, the question. The Will you have my baby oh. to a woman old enough to be his mother? I thought it was impossible, recalled the 53-year-old woman. I thought, I'm too old. I've gone through menopause. I want to help, but in the back of my mind, I keep thinking it won't work. But it did. Two months ago, the woman, Geraldine Weisselowski, Mark's mother, gave birth to a six-pound, eight-ounce baby who's both her child and her grandchild who will be raised by her 31-year-old son and his 33-year-old wife, Susan, who cannot bear children. Well, mazel tov and good for them, and that's a lot to deal with. <laughs> it is, right? Holy cow. You know what, though? I think I assumed it was the mother's egg, but of course it's not. So that makes sense, then. There's no inbreeding. No. And you know what? I'm it makes the most that... sense, actually, because whoever has the baby is going to have some connection, I would think emotionally yeah so who better than someone who already will have that as a grandmother it's almost the simplest version outside of the uh greek stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah outside of the greek stuff for sure <laughs> not to mention so sometimes relationships between parents and grandparents mm. when there's can be yes. strained yeah absolutely and especially when battled. they try to parent the kids yes now, you add to that, you know, <laughs> I deserve to see my granddaughter because also I birthed her. Yeah. What leg do parents no. have to stand on? You get on? to do the, I was in labor for. Uh, <laughs> you get to I do was it all in over labor again. with you. Yeah. Then I was in labor <laughs> yeah. with your kid. Give me that baby. What do I have to do to be taken <laughs> seriously? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yes. That's oh. kind of sweet. When I first read it, I was shocked. But now I'm like, I get it. Yeah. Dateline. This is such a dated article. It's perfect. Dateline. Do, 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 do. Go ahead. Where the action in the aisles can be livelier than on the shelves. Saturday night. Date night USA. <laughs> and Jason Nadler of Mount Sinai and his fiance, Laura Grisafi of Rocky Point, are out on the town. Or more accurately, behind a bookshelf. On most weekend nights, the couples head for their favorite dating spot, the Bassett Bookshop in Sayville. This is a story about how couples, how big box bookstores started opening up around the country and couples started going there for date nights. I believe it. Yes. This is the beginning of that. This is Fox Books. I was too. <laughs> oh, you've got mail. What a fun movie. But yeah, I remember when like when Barnes and Noble re, you know, renovated and stuff. Yeah. And started with their whole, oh, we've got chairs and we've got coffee and. You can just hang out. Right. You know, just being like, oh, well, this is all I want to do now. Why a lot of people come in and for... spend the nights, said Stephen Florio, who works at the Borders Bookshop in Levittown. Well, not the entire night. Borders closes at 11, as do Bassett and Barnes and & Noble and Carl Place. But Book Review, you know that one? I know Borders in Levittown. I used to go ah, there all the time. So do these people. 
Yeah, my dad taught in Levittown, yeah. What's this? A sm- a young man who looked like Rob Reiner came in looking for Jerry <laughs> Seinfeld's new book, Sign Language. <laughs> it's a bizarre mix, said Molly Mollen. What a great name of Glencoe. Molly Mollen? Yeah, speaking of those who visit Book Review. Oh, Book Review's a, a store that's open till 11.30 on weekends. Whoa. You got people buying books, people not buying books. It's a place you can go. You don't have to spend money. People come here to meet a friend, to gather, to listen to music. Some come in to wait for their reservation at the restaurant across the street. There are times we'll page them saying, attention so-and-so, your table is ready at Canterbury Ales. That's funny and weird. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, especially, especially, gosh, if they're not even buying anything there, uh-huh. if they're just coming in to just hang out until their table is ready elsewhere, and you're going to be like, excuse me, non-customers. Your reservation across the way is ready. Yeah. We'll see you later. <laughs> also, we'll be closing in three months because of you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for killing independent businesses. Yeah. <laughs> uh, blah, blah, blah. Finally, another man showed up and I started. Oh, we decided to play Pictionary in the back of the store. I divided wow. them into two teams. I think these are strangers. And like the television show, win, lose, or draw, they had a big pad and they drew their clues. Eventually, we wound up with 27 people. 23 women wow. and four men. Wow. This was not an improv class. No. <laughs> Isn't that something? Holy 93. Cow. That's great. It, it only goes back to that. It being a notable trend. Yeah. Somehow it felt later. But yeah, 93 sounds about right. Now, this one's just for you, Russ. Dateline. Final dateline. Go ahead. Letters to the Long Island editor. Yes. Uh-oh. Massapequa has a fine side, too. <laughs> So the article, this is a response to an article called Live and in Sizzling Color, The Trashing of the Island from January 24th, which you might have covered on the podcast because that rings a bell. Maybe. As a lifelong resident of Massapequa, I especially take offense at your subtitle, Sodom, Gomorrah, and Massapequa. (laughs) Are we really to believe that no bizarre or absurd situations occur elsewhere in the nation? Sure, Massapequa may be credited with Jessica Hahn and Joey Buttafuoco, who, we should remember, is a victim in his own Kafka-esque situation. Uh-huh. Oh, God. <laughs> but many other famous... Yeah, can we, can we take a moment <laughs> to feel sorry and, 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 and moment remember of the plight of Joey Buttafuoco? <laughs> That's why his name is still around. Because that poor guy Holy went through cow. it. Oh. But many other famous and not-so-famous fine people hail from here as well. How about Ron Kovic, a Vietnam veteran and author of Born on the Fourth of July? Yeah. What about actors? Alec Baldwin and all of his brothers, Jerry mm-hmm. Seinfeld or Steve Gutenberg? Mm-hmm. Does the name of weatherman Dr. Frank Field ring a bell? Or maybe former Secretary of Labor Peter Brennan? Then, of course, you have the hundreds of unsung heroes working right in the community, such as the Little League and soccer coaches, Boy and Girl Scout leaders, and my personal favorites, the Civic Association Volunteers. Long Island in general, and Massapequa in particular, is alive and well. Thank you. The good things to come out of our suburban enclave always seem to get dwarfed by the bizarre and lewd activities of a small minority. Of course, bizarre and lewd sell newspapers. Civic and social accomplishments do not. Raymond G. Rosalillo, (laughs) President, Nassau Shores Civic Association. And I'll tell you about how they do not sell papers by listing the Baldwins, and Steve Gutenberg <laughs> and Jerry Seinfeld by name, and then at the end, also saying, and then I also like some nameless civic people. <laughs> I mean, he also got the order wrong, if you wanted this letter to stand the test of time. Absolutely. He ended on Steve uh, Gutenberg. 
he did he did also i'm like holy cow we have listed so many massapequa residents by name who's dr for frank lived. field i believe he's weatherman right did I he have yeah, any he's, uh he's the, um, no just, he's cbs weatherman i think okay that's it he was like yeah basically <laughs> yeah he really he sure did they they really pumped him up in this article yeah. just be like uh how about dr frank yeah. field they asked does he ring a bell and I guess the answer yeah. is yeah, but that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's no Alec Baldwin, but. <laughs> or Al Roker. <laughs> or Al Roker. <laughs> he's no Alan Roker. Oh, man. That's all the news that's fit to print this week. What? Some, some good New York stories this week. Loved it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I feel like we're back in time. Gotta go back in time. Back in a time where people loved Jerry Lewis. Oh, they did, didn't they? This you episode was directed by Linda Day. She's the Burger King of. Uh, Late season one seems Barnett Kelman has gone the way of wherever and Linda Day. You know what? It's a day night. That's Linda not Day bad. Wrote this That's episode. not bad. It's a day night. It's a day night. <laughs> Which sounds day night. What a trippy word. It sounds like donut, but it's not at all. It's so not at all oh. like a donut that it doesn't really sound like Is it that, either. No, that's New York East <laughs> for donut. Uh, you that's want a day York. night? You want a day night? <laughs> it sounds like a Danish donut. Okay, yes. A little. <laughs> What are you talking about? Hey, everyone, tweet in your, uh, what does day night remind you of? One said quickly together. Yeah. If your answer is, it just sounds like the word day night, that's okay, too. That's okay. But, you know, try and make some history here. <laughs> uh, it was written by Pamela Eels and Sally Lapidus, who wrote, uh, mm-hmm. it's interesting to see how different each episode is that they write. Because they wrote the Subway Token, and then mm-hmm. I think they wrote last week's, right? The uh, Love Among the Tiles. Yeah, I think you're right. And now this one. Yeah. This one feels similar to Love Among the Tiles to me in terms of the comedic engines that they set yes, up. Yes. Yes. And Very, I love that. Ooh. They, yeah, they could have been doing Love Among the Tiles and saying, oh, this is slapstick. Hey, you know who's really good at slapstick? No, I wonder if that's why they gave him that. Like, they probably responded so quick when they were like, oh, Jerry Lewis, we have a million ideas. Yeah. And they were like, could be. run with it. And boy, did they. Cold <laughs> open. Living room. It's just this another... Weekday morning in the Buckman yep. House. It's, it's 7.30. 7.30. Mm. That means they get up around 6.30, 6.45? Probably. Very yeah, responsible. Maybe, yeah. Isn't that like when you yeah. get up? Well, yeah, I, well, uh, when I'm, uh, I get up a little bit earlier and try to get out around then if I'm on my game and get into the gym before work. Guys, but, uh, I live in L.A. and the number of times I can text Russ as I'm going to bed and he responds immediately because he's already up is crazy. It's a little bit weird sometimes. Yeah, and he's not a surgeon <laughs> or a fireman or anything. He's just a guy. <laughs> and he's also not a fit guy for somebody who's waking up before work to go to the gym. I still got a ways to go. So. But you're strong. <laughs> I once saw you lift a whatever over your head. A whatever. A whatever is right. <laughs> yeah. So Paul is flossing, which is unusual. We always see Jamie flossing, but never Paul. Also, I don't floss in the morning usually. Is that weird? I do it at night. No, I mean, I think you can probably, I think everybody can stand to floss at least twice a day. Twice a day? Be, at least once. Your teeth Probably must twice. be impeccable. Oh, no, they're terrible. This is just information that I have. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy from Massapequa didn't even mention the teeth, the pristine teeth no. coming out of Long Island. <laughs> uh, can I bring your attention to Dr. David Lowry? <laughs> DDS slash comedian. <laughs> uh, so Paul's flossing and looking for his sneakers. Hey, Twitter, have you seen my sneakers? Yeah, you were wearing them yesterday. 
It's so helpful, I can't tell you. Who's that 7.30 in the morning? Somebody selling something. Well, whatever it is, I don't want it. Yup. Very, uh, I got nothing to say except that's funny. <laughs> it's silly and it's fun. We always, that is so built into our rhythms and it makes me a little crazy. What's that? Where's it? What's the last time you saw it? Oh, like wait. when you're looking for something, it's always the first question. And it's like, yeah, oh, no, I know. I already did that. Yeah. I mean, but sometimes it's a it good helps. way. It is a good yeah, way. It helps. And then it gives you, it gives you a, a chance to say, okay, let me look there. And then I'll think about what I've done. It's that. the small talk of a search party. It's an icebreaker. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you may be right, but also I, I've got a feeling that if you were to be, if you were to go to the police station, that question would come up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess you're right. So you, you'd go and be like, hey, I'm missing my car. My car's been stolen. They would probably say, what's the last time you were in your car? And you would be, if you were to say, if I knew that, then I would have my car, wouldn't I? Wouldn't I be in it? They probably wouldn't take too kindly to that. That's true. <laughs> so uh, the doorbell goes off at this early hour. It goes off. I want you. Belden, hit it. change <laughs> well i don't think we need to point out who that man is to the audience because oh. what a distinctive voice it's jerry lewis right there yeah folks. and he does this i mean you could kind of hear it but he does this great solo tap dance and then the loud laughter you hear at the end is because a giant cane just sort of sprung out of his palm like a magic trick what a show oh boy jerry lewis's shirt has a million buttons on it Yes. Did Okay, so Russ, do you not like Jerry Lewis, or what's the problem here? I think I don't like Jerry Lewis. I know I didn't like Jerry Lewis in this episode. Can I tell you something? What's that? I don't like Jerry Lewis either in this episode. Yeah. Made yeah. me kind of like him. <laughs> and now really? I want to watch some of his old stuff. That's very funny and very strange. He's very funny. I'm sure I'm that he sure is. He is. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the thing. I can see where it's just like, yeah, okay, he's... He's silly. He's making. I'm sure. If, well, look, I'll put it this way. If I saw him live, I'd lose my mind. Oh, I absolutely. Think... Just because. And I'm sure that I'm wrong because, look, he's wildly famous and successful since forever. But I was about to say, I don't know if his humor translates to the screen. I mean, of course it does. That is he's the a most movie... asinine super... comments and analysis I have ever heard. I started by saying that, John. I know that I'm wrong. <laughs> you sound like a movie executive who just made the biggest mistake of his life in 1950. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, he's funny. I think he's funny. I don't think it translates to the screen. Jerry, thank you for work. coming in. We're going to pass. <laughs> take, <laughs> Best take, of luck with take, your stage career. Take this. What is this? The loopy doctor wanted to take it down the street. Okay. <laughs> and your little friend, Dean, there. Nice to meet you. Thanks for coming in. Bye. <laughs> Lay off the sauce, tall <laughs> man named Dean. <laughs> you know, I've heard such conflicting stories about Dean Martin's alcoholism. Oh, yeah? I've heard that he never had a drop during shows and that it was all fake. And I forget where I've heard that now, but I've heard that a lot and that he was only an I'm, alcoholic later in life. I think that those can both be true. That Well, uh, I don't know about later in life, but I think that he may have been able to be like, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink when I'm doing a show. 
after the show, I'm going to drink like a fish. Yeah, that could be too. I don't know. This is also conjecture about an actual man. So I do apologize. What, to the Dean Martin estate? Yes. And to the memory of uh, the greatest, one of the great American vocalists? (laughs) I love Dean. So, uh, (laughs) boy, you want to read some uh, boring Dean Martin stories? (laughs) Do I? Read Regis Philbin's autobiography twice. Like I did. Oh, John. (laughs) What a a sentence that is. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Scene one. Oh, yeah, we do the intro. What? Scene one. Do you know what uh, Jen pointed out to me? This is great. (laughs) I think I noticed it late in the episode. The mask is gone. The mask is gone. The mask is gone. (laughs) The curse has been lifted. Uh, We got into the back half, the back nine of the first season. (laughs) And they said, okay, now we can make some changes. Step one, take this mask off the wall and break it into a million pieces. Step two, maybe take the TV with it. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) I love this set. Oh, looks great. Great looking apartment. No, but it's also surreal in that it's always changing and things are always appearing and disappearing. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like you could argue that the show's actually set in an unreal place, in another dimension. I was going to say it changes because people's tastes change over time. And so it's like they're keeping up with the times and changing according to general decor and also as a couple would grow, their taste would change. You seem to think it's in a different dimension. Why is that? Well, at the end of the day, Russ, it's all artistic choices. But I'm saying these choices that they're making point towards a nonspecific place and time, which means in a sense it exists in this unreal version of New York. And really, it's all, listen, it's all archetypes at the end of the day. It's all just Greek theater. And we'll be right back. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think it speaks to something deeper. Like, remember that um, David Ives? short play long ago and far we, away uh, where they, it's a no, New York apartment and they're packing and people ca- are coming in from like different time periods. I think this is like that. Are you going to make a documentary about the other dimension that Paul and Jamie Buckman's apartment lives in? Well, first I got to look up that guy at USC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is moments later from the cold open. Uh, Jerry Lewis is now in their apartment. Paul doesn't want to let him in initially. Right. I'm Freddie Statler. May I come in? I don't think so. Well, Mr. Buckman, let, if I may, Paul, yeah, yes. I saw some of your work. I think you're one of the great young filmmakers of your generation. Well, why don't you come in? <laughs> Compliments and artists, man. Yeah. It's, it's too easy. It's too easy. It's so it's such a good justification also because and it's so yeah, it's so easy. But yeah, part of me is just like, why would they even let him in the house at 730? And why would they have him stay there? And it's just like, oh, because he said nice things about about Paul. Yeah. So, yeah, he can do he can do anything. Well, it's a, yeah, it's a showbiz <laughs> opportunity. Yep. Knocking on your door. Yeah. Uh, so he comes in. He says hi to Murray. <laughs> he knows Murray's yep. name. Which is terrifying. <laughs> and immediately he summons his butler, Belden, who's played Belden, by great. Billy Fox. Mm-hmm. Billy Fox. I believe was a comedian. I, I I wasn't able to look too deep into it, but he did a star search in 1990. Okay. And he did Evening at the Improv. So like, I, I, I'm assuming he was a stand-up. But also, I have to say, his headshots on IMDb make him look like... And I don't know if this is just because he looks a little French to me or something and has an expressive face, but I feel like there's a chance he's a mime because he doesn't speak in the episode, right? He doesn't speak in the episode. It could be that he's a mime. It could be. That's a conceivable... I, but I mean, look, it could be that anybody's a mime. 
I love that no, you're just but like, he has a mind well, look, look. He didn't, look, he didn't talk in the episode, and he's not talking in this photograph, so uh, thus, he's a mime. <laughs> Is he a mime? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Apparently, he was... Do you remember Make Me Laugh on Comedy Central? Yeah. He he did an episode. It's on YouTube, and he's not wearing whiteface, so, okay, I was wrong. <laughs> Stand-up, though. That's fun. We'll have to uh, post that this week so people can watch it, because we That'll know be everyone that listens is as crazy as we are. Mm-hmm. But he's playing the, the silent butler in this episode, and he enters immediately with a silver platter of dog treats for Murray. <laughs> yes, a big bone for Murray. So Jamie uh, comes out of the kitchen, and she's like, who's this? How do you know my dog's name? I make it my business to know the business of anyone I'm going to be in business with. Mm-hmm. That's a very hard... Okay, so like example one of Jerry Lewis being a master, very difficult line to say. Says it very perfectly and funny. That's not easy. <laughs> Maybe I'm giving him too much credit. I don't know. Maybe. I, giving actors credit all for words. saying lines. Right. He said, oh, what a master. Maybe that's a little. Okay, sure. Maybe. Fine. <laughs> Maybe that's a gimme. When Jamie enters, he does the same thing to her that he did to Murray. He knows her name, and then he summons Belden mm-hmm. to bring in bagels that he brought for the bagels. Buckmans. Bagels for the Buckmans. Sesame, because he knows it's their favorite. Right. And Jamie. There's another, there's another seed for your theory. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> you're right, though. I mean, I know that I'm right and that they mention a seed, but the fact that you're tying Russ, it into they the constantly are mentioning seeds, spices, and nuts. <laughs> and I'm saying it as a half joke, but I'm also saying it half serious. I'm not saying it's intentional. I'm saying I think someone has a subconscious obsession with those three things who works on the show. No, I think it's you. You're the one with the obsession. <laughs> Oh, gosh. So this is a question for if and when we get uh, Paul Reiser, Danny Jacobson on the show. It'll be the first question I ask. <laughs> so Jamie doesn't want a bagel. Hey, are, Paul. How about you, Jamie? You'd rather not. What's wrong? No, nothing. I'm just having cereal. Cereal. Make a note of that. She prefers cereal. We call <laughs> Battle Creek. Call Battle Creek is a great line. Oh, very silly. Wait, one Wait, you know what? Explain Explain that to me. Oh, Battle Creek, Michigan. It's like the cereal capital of the country. That Okay, that's funny. It's like where Kellogg's I, based. I didn't realize that. That's funny. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's Oh, Sally and uh, Pamela. That's one of my favorite lines in the episode. Well done, ladies. So, oh, I lost my place. <laughs> well, then he starts talking about all of the footage that he's been watching. Oh, yes, why he's here. Okay, this is the deal. I've been looking at film, hundreds and hundreds of feet of film. I mean, until it was coming out of my way, I've never seen in my life. I've never seen such garbage, direct on toast, the worst footage. But then I saw his film, and I said, aha, that's genius. Excuse me. Excuse huh, honey, me, the, man, the man is talking, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, we see how manipulated Paul is further by compliments. Right. And... At this point, I just I look, I know I should have thought of it earlier, but I'm just like, oh, so Jerry Lewis is just going to be Jerry Lewis this whole time. Yeah. When he comes when he just comes uh, hundreds of feet, you know, hundreds of feet of film until it was coming out of my flying. Oh, yes. I'm, they definitely work in all of his famous I'm mannerisms. Like, I'm just like, oh, here we go. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, I guess- oh, here we go. <laughs> Oh, man. So he wants Paul basically to make a documentary about him. Right. And Jamie, of course, is skeptical, as always. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. Ex- excuse me. You may be a millionaire. Millionaire? No, that was years ago. It's bi- Repeat after me, Bill. Bill. Billion. Billion. Billionaire. 
Bill. Billion. Billionaire. Billionaire. I mean, it's great. Uh, he's like if Janice from Friends was a physical comedian. Yeah, you're right. That would be what. Yeah. A, what a great team. Oh, it'd be great. Everybody would murder themselves. Yeah, people would run out of the. It's too much. <laughs> one or the other. One of them is too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's their thing. I know. It's a rough thing. It is. <laughs> I don't know if I would be comfortable with that being my thing. I wouldn't. Well, also, Jerry Lewis, in years later, has the new thing of publicly saying time and time again that women aren't funny. So, oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's he's He does not think that women are funny, and he says it a lot. And I'm sure that it has colored my appreciation of him. Does he know who wrote the episode that he's in? I'm sure that if you were to ask him, he would be like, yes, I read it, and on the page it was nothing, and they needed me, a man, a genius, to come in and be wonderful. I think you're probably and right. Ugh, thumbs down for both the real Jerry Lewis and the version of Jerry Lewis that I just invented. Freddie Statler? Uh, oh, I see. You're giving him credit. That's very generous. Yeah. Well, <laughs> You're giving yeah, him the, like, the softest benefit of the doubt that ever existed. Yeah. Well, I can't really hate him. Here's what I'll bet he would say. What a jerk. Yeah, you're giving him the Dennis Miller rant benefit of the doubt. Yes. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Absolutely. Ah, oh, Russ, you're the only one I know who knows that. What? Who knows the Dennis Miller sign off? Uh-huh. Aw. Uh, you got you to gotta get some friends who uh, know I, that I sign only need off. one. <laughs> I'm happy to be that guy. So. They can, oh, um, oh, so while. Uh, oh, yeah. What? What? No, I was just going to say there's a fun line where Paul says, why would you want to film? And Jerry Lewis says, because statues take too long. It's great. And that's a funny line. Yeah, yeah, they nailed his person. Like, because it's not just him doing the Jerry Lewis bits that's funny. They nailed, like, his psyche a little with the jokes. I love the jokes. The jokes are great. All I want is the jokes. Yeah, sure. Every time Jerry Lewis turns into Jerry Lewis, I'm like, come on, man. Well, you must love this next bit. So the jackhammer construction starts up outside. Classic New York. Great Foley yeah, work, as right. always. Or whatever mm -hmm. the guy, whatever they use for sounds. I don't know. But whoever's doing the sound <laughs> is a genius. Yep. Oh, I can't. I don't know how you kids live this way. This is incredible. Who is this guy? It's Freddie Statler, the billionaire. You've heard of him? I have now. Hello, Sid. I'm at 5th and 12th having a meeting, and I can't hear myself think. Thank you, Sid. <laughs> the audience loves that. Loves it. And so do I. So it's do a I. great bit. Can you? Great piece this of made me imagine. I mean, talk about winning the jackpot as an, as an audience going to this taping. Yeah, that's true. And if I go. had gone to another one and my friends told me they went and I was like, oh, how was yours? And they were like, Jerry Lewis. I would be like, are you kidding me? And as they yeah. recap the episode, I'd be like, are you? I had to sit through some dumb thing about a subway for two hours. Are you are you? <laughs> I'd be so mad. Yeah, you can Especially, feel that. And, and you know it. what? I would also love that because then you're seeing Jerry Lewis live, which is the only way that Jerry right. Lewis. Should Maybe that's be, why they're because they're eating it up. They eat mm -hmm. him up so hard this episode. Yeah, it feels like people's dreams are coming true. It does. Do you know how old he was during this? No, do you? Jen, oh gosh, Jen looked it up. I, at the start of this, I knew, I think he was in his late 60s. I think he was 68 during this episode. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, because he's in his 90s now. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. He's And he's, he's, he's falling down. He's, he's doing, he's doing, he's being Jerry Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, uh, he's an incredible performer. Yeah. Oh, so he starts to negotiate salary, and of course, Jamie steps in again. 
I'm prepared to pay you double what you got for your last job. He made six grand. He made three. I love her. <laughs> that was for PBS. His fees are usually much higher. I see. But I am being rude discussing money with an artist the likes of Paul. I would like to talk to your agent. Well, listen, I don't have an agent. Well, let me handle that. I'll get you one. Well, here, here's the thing. Hello, Ovitz. Freddie, I know it's three hours early, but I got to talk to you about a very bright young guy. Belden, move it. I'll be calling. I love that he That's calls funny. Michael Ovitz. <laughs> yes. Who, it's 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> in LA, and he gets on the phone immediately. Yeah. Oh, that's Letterman's agent. That's a big CAA guy, right? Like the founder or something? I believe so. Or the, like the most powerful agent in the world or something? I'm not certain, but that sounds Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I think that's right. So we go to Buckman Studios, as I like to call it. And yes. Paul's on the phone interviewing candidates for a new editor. A lot of people on the phone. He's, he's a lot of phones ringing. A lot of phones ringing. Uh, it looks like they had a lot of overhaul mm-hmm. at Buckman Studios or uh, Plague. He killed some everyone. Turnover. Yeah, some turnover. Yeah. Ike disappeared or died or no, maybe yeah. he's working on uh, the new Iron Man or something. Oh, no, it's too too early. <laughs> My girlfriend, Kelly Green, is gone. I know. Was Did they change the name of the secretary in this or is it the same name? I'm not positive. I think it's a different person. I think so, too. So Paul's on the phone with interview candidates who are neurotic and dumb. And uh, Connie, his assistant, comes in and she's a head case. She's like freaking out. Yes. And she was played by a very cool actress. Oh, yeah. By the way, I apologize. Uh, her name is Carrie Green. Kelly Green is just a color. <laughs> Continue. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, it is. St. <laughs> Patty's color. Yes. Sorry. You were saying the actress who plays Connie. Yes, is uh, Megan Fay. And she was in a little movie that you and I love, except I don't remember her from it at all, called Magnolia. Oh. As Dr. Diane. I don't remember whose doctor she'd be. Oh, maybe uh, Julianne Moore's Shrink? Could be. Maybe? Could be. Oh, gosh, do I love Magnolia. Me too. She's also in Rising Sun, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Barton Fink, uh, Full Frontal. So she got to work with Soderbergh and P.T. Anderson. Wow. Also, weirdly, she plays a character named Diane in Full Frontal. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. The consummate Diane. (laughs) Uh, She's also in La La Land. She plays Mia's mom. How cool. Yeah. Uh, what if we did a mini episode on Magnolia? <laughs> if we did Magnolia, a mini episode would be seven hours. Or what if, like, what if we just did it for five and a half minutes? <laughs> <laughs> we talk about twenty-two minutes of Mad About You for two hours, and then we talk about three yeah. hours of Magnolia. It's a good movie. For anyway, seven. thanks for listening. Yeah, it's good. Weird uh, ending, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Frogs. Who knew? <laughs> but she also let's see. She was on a Seinfeld. She played um, in the abstinence episode. I think she was the teacher. She plays a character named Mrs. Burns. Okay. So I feel like maybe she was the teacher at uh, the school that Jerry's supposed to talk at, right? Or the principal? That sounds like it could be. That sounds plausible. Sure. Does everyone like the guesses we're making? <laughs> yeah. Look, we can only look so deep. <laughs> what am I supposed to watch the whole episode now, like Russ? <laughs> no, you have a life. But you've this... got you've got thirty six hour long uh, you, uh, uh, scavenger hunts to go on. <laughs> she was in the Carol Burnett show, cool in ninety one. Now there are a couple shows, and we won't we don't have to talk long about them. We should save them for another time because they're very interesting. Mm-hmm. This I didn't even know was a show, and I just discovered it just now, not even earlier. There was a show on Fox in nineteen ninety two called Whoops. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. Do you know what that was about? The world is destroyed when kids accidentally set off a nuclear missile, causing the Russians to counterattack. Attack. Yep. Only six people are left in the U.S. Yep. Oh. Yeah. That's amazing. That is so yeah. far ahead of its time. It's a post-apocalyptic screwball comedy. That's like all we do now, I feel like. Called whoops. Yeah. Last Man it's... on Earth, the alien mm-hmm. thing on TBS, the Rex mm-hmm. is, well, that's mm-hmm. not post-apocalyptic, I guess, but still. Wow. Yeah. Fox. Uh, 11 episodes. I mean, this was this was back in the beginning of Fox when they were just like, you got a show idea? We're putting it on. Whatever. Anything. Anything weird. Anything. Anything. We need we that's need programming. Amazing. I want to yeah. see that. I wonder if that's on YouTube. I'm pretty sure it is. It was created by uh, the Empty Nest guy. Oh, yeah. Or an Empty Nest guy. Not the original creator, but a guy who worked on it for years. <laughs> Just a guy whose kids had grown up. Oh, and new hearts. Yeah. <laughs> and Thick of the Night. Interesting. Thick of the Night. Oh, Oops, was this guy's baby, I guess, maybe. But this is a show I didn't know about. Have you heard of O'Hara? Uh, no. Pat Morita starred in a detective show set in L.A. Great. Called O'Hara about an American Asian cop in the LAPD investigating crimes. Also on ABC because ABC is the only channel that does Asian American programming. <laughs> it's true. Going back decades. Wow. Pat Morita as Lieutenant O'Hara. 30 episodes. I want to see it. 30 episodes. Catherine wow. Keener's in 11 episodes. Holy cow. No, what I, year was this? This was 87 and 88. Never heard of it. So this is right on the heels of Karate Kid. Yes, you're right. Yeah. That's funny. So you got, rarely see people get a that. series out of a movie. That's true. He also was on Happy Days for a while, though, too. Yes. He, this is just one one stint in a long, magnificent career. What a great guy. Ah, yeah. What a great yeah. Guy. yeah. Yeah. Pat, if you're up, we love you, pal. We love you, Pat. <laughs> Miss you every Sorry. day. Sorry. Yeah, so if you're, out, you if, you're out there, <laughs> if you're out there listening up in heaven, we're <laughs> did they get this up there? <laughs> it's all they listen to. <laughs> oh, yeah. So she but she's nuts. Yeah, she's his character's wreck. nuts. He's like, why aren't you getting the phones? And she just uh, she makes a meal out of this line. I was taking care of something. Soup. Soup. Oh, is that what she says? Soup orders. I was dealing with the soup orders and. I was making a, a checklist so, and, and to make sure that everybody had the right soup orders. And if, oh. if people got the same, because you like mushroom barley. So if they like mushroom barley, Which that would really noted. help me out. Yes. Yeah. So she's put together a little job application for all these people. And one of the questions mm-hmm. is, what's your favorite soup? Yeah. So she brings in their next candidate. And oh. it must be Sweeps Week because this guy is Stephen Wright. Just perfect. That I the can tell you were nuts, I bet. The funniest person who's ever been on this show i'm trying to remember he's a he's a he's on for the rest of the show right i don't know about that maybe i feel i feel like he recurs I a lot i could be wrong but i think he's on it for a while which is great because he's fantastic in this episode i feel like it, it has to be sweeps week yeah february sweeps Makes i sense. mean it's too many it's so many guest stars it's such a special episode to me yeah I get that it's for two, sure. but it's like two really well, big ones. Yeah. I mean, I'll jump to the end. In the credits, they had listed, they were like, special guest star, Jerry Lewis, guest star, the woman who played Connie, special, uh, and then they uh, listed also Stephen Wright as special guest, I think. Ah, <laughs> so just, interesting. So so everybody was a different special delineation. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Each person's agent only got so far. Yeah, yeah. Star among stars. Did you know why sweeps is a term? 
Uh, no. It, it comes. It stems from 1954 because, you know, Nielsen collects the way they get the ratings are these little paper diaries they give out to households. OK. And they would collect them starting on the East Coast over the course of like a week back in the 50s. Because huh. I guess I don't know how they would collect them, but I guess it takes longer than it takes now. Right. It's probably more electronic uh-huh. now. So, sure. so they would call that sweeping. They wow. would sweep across the country collecting the ratings. Huh. That's why. I did not realize that. So that's interesting. You never know yeah, what you're going to learn sure. on this show. You can generally tell. Yeah, you got to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very little is the first. Very little. Yeah. So Stephen Wright's playing a character named Eddie Myrtleman. Mm-hmm. Myrtleman? Eddie Myrtleman. <laughs> but you can call me Warren. <laughs> Warren. How you doing, Warren? Paul Buckman. Have a seat. I see here you, uh, you wouldn't disclose your soup preference. I love all soups. <laughs> do, do you have any, any pets? What do you need? <laughs> Be, because if, if you do get a pet, don't, don't use a, a flea collar. They're toxic. <laughs> did, did you ever see a dachshund with nerve damage? Once in Berlin. <laughs> okay, Connie, thank you. Thank you. Um, do you think she'd date me? <laughs> Very possibly. Let me ask you, don't you find her a little annoying? Yes. I mean, do you think, I mean, they nailed his voice completely once so in perfect. Berlin. I can't imagine, I'm like, well, he must have written his own responses. Right? Because they're perfect. They're perfect a dachshund with nerve damage is such a funny setup though too do you have any pets what do you need yeah no all right (laughs) so funny so that's the other thing about this character connie she's obsessed with animal cruelty i guess and or like yes inexplicably though it's almost like they were like we need to give connie a thing yeah here's one she's (laughs) here's here's the thing (laughs) and this is decades before those sad aspca commercials so who knows what is triggering this in her? That's true. She just has a she just has a good heart. Maybe She's she lives next guilted. to a pound. She's not being guilted by Sarah McLaughlin every eight and a half minutes. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh, That's e- right. I'm calling you easy, out, Sarah Russ, McLaughlin. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> so the interview continues. We learned that he worked at CNN. He has many impressive credits, some of which he might have made up, <laughs> according to him. So Paul explains the project. <laughs> I'll tell you why I, I, I need you. I, I've been offered this project. And I think I've got, I may do it. This very weird guy, this guy named Freddie Stadler. The billionaire? <laughs> How do you know that? Because of the amount of money he has. Of course he's heard of Mr. Stadler. So funny. But what a telling line, too, because that is why yeah. we know people now. Yeah. We yeah. know billionaires. Be- because Not of how much of money he has. <laughs> yeah. So then Connie comes in with a delivery from Mr. Stadler. Ringo's drums. Ah. Uh, and then Stephen Wright, what a button. Yeah, <laughs> he'll never get back to get. <laughs> yes, Paul's love of the Beatles is a recurring theme. Yeah, it comes back in an, at in least a, a few strong years. way. Yeah, at least one. A few. Really great. Yeah, isn't Ringo yeah. on the show at one point, too? Or did I make that up? Uh, I feel like he might be. I don't be. recall that. He okay, might be. maybe not. In my dreams. We'll find out. We'll find out in, in, in a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> Next scene, we're in Freddie Statler's office, mm-hmm. which looks similar to Farrar Gantz. It does, doesn't it? Probably the same soundstage. They just rearranged <laughs> some furniture oh, yeah. or something. They're getting inventive. Getting their money's worth. <laughs> so the doors to his office open. There are these 
like wooden, you know, two panel doors and right. a regal song is playing on a kazoo. And then there's a puff of smoke and he says, pay no attention to the- He's doing a Wizard of Oz bit. Right. And he turns around in his chair behind the desk and the, the audience eats this bit up. I don't like the Wizard of Oz, really. Okay. And th- that's weird, but okay. That's weird. Yeah. Wizard of Oz is great. That's as weird as you not liking Jerry Lewis. You know what I find the Wizard of Oz to be? Annoying. Okay. You could argue pound for pound. You give me an annoying soundbite from Jerry Lewis. I'll give you an annoying Wizard of Oz soundbite. <laughs> Last man standing <laughs> will be me. Well, well, look. <laughs> the Wizard of Oz is how long? Two hours? A hundred. A hundred hours. I think that Jerry Lewis may have a little bit more material than that. But anyway. <laughs> oh, you know it. <laughs> oh, Paul, thanks for the drum kit. And we learned that uh, Freddie knows of Paul's love of the Beatles because he spoke to his mother named for Sylvia. For 40 minutes. Yeah, for 40 mm-hmm. minutes. But we get his mom's name. Sylvia. Yeah. Sylvia Buckman. And they stick with that. Yep. In future episodes. That's a good Buckman, That's a good Buckman. That's a good Buckman name. <laughs> so Freddie's ready to get started with the film. Yep. Hey, let's get going with the movie. Great. Okay. Bam! Great, now maybe we'll be able to hear him. <laughs> oh, you have your own bell then. This is my, my new editor and cameraman, Warren Merleman. Mr. Mimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimimim
Oh, yeah, yeah, Now yeah. you got a cookie in this part, and now mix them all uh-huh. together. <laughs> yeah, mash them together. Yeah. yeah, really weird and funny. Um, you guys uh, yeah, can't I would, see oh, it. I would be. I'd be laughing. Watching him try to get Steven to eat the cookie and Steven not moving his lips. And Jerry just keeps pushing the cookie against his lips. is so funny. Yeah, I hated this scene. Uh- oh! <laughs> Listen, everyone. Well, it's hard. You're not going to buy this endorsement now. But if you haven't bought season one and or the series and there's no way for you to watch this show, buy season one on Amazon for like six bucks. Sure. Because, oh, is it worth it? Yes, that is true. Uh, so Paul's ready to get started. I will say that I like Jerry Lewis ending this cookie bit by saying... Does this man know he's alive? Oh, great. That's funny. It's very funny. So then, yeah. And the writing's so good because you can't, you have no idea who came up with what. Yeah, that's true. Like they nailed his voice. Everything's seamless. It's good. It's very good. Also, may I say, the reason this is canon to me (laughs) is I think the show thrives when it's a mix of goofy and real. Yes, you've said this before. And this is the first one that goes all the way into the goofy and stays somewhat in the real. Like they love create, they love living in the fiction of whenever they have a guest star on that's famous, they do something fun with it. That is, that always blurs the lines between like, it's always a little self-aware and it's always like, we all know this is Jerry Lewis. Yes. It's always a thin veneer of fake. And right. I love that. They like shows don't do that as well as they do it where they break the fourth wall a little. Right. I think Paul Reiser loves Jerry Lewis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it is nice to see him get to work with him. Also, so quickly. Season one. Yes. I couldn't believe it. Me too. This guy's a legend. Yeah. But, I mean, you know what, though? Paul Reiser had uh, established himself as a stand-up by this point. No, you're right. And he'd already had a hit TV show. That's true. And a couple of hit movies. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Which brings up another segment, uh, a recurring segment of our show. John, why aren't we talking about My Two Dads more? Because I didn't watch it that much, so I don't have anything to say about it. And that's our segment for why aren't we talking about My Two Dads more. <laughs> I think we've done that before. Yeah, that's why it's yeah. a recurring bit. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> also, one more side note. Forgive me. This is totally unrelated, but I did look it up. He did host SNL in 1995, and I can't wait to talk about it. Who did? Paul Reiser. And Ooh. Helen Hunt hosted two episodes, 93. 90- Four and ninety six or something. Fantastic. And one of the sketches in the Paul Reiser one is an aliens mad about you. Oh my gosh. Great. So everyone stay tuned for the next year or two. Great, great, great. Anyway, Freddie's ready to get this podcast on the roll. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He wants to get to work. He wants to start making the documentary. Mm -hmm. And he's sort of he's becoming a little bit of a pain in the neck. Yep. Like he really wants to say lights, camera, action. And Paul's like, Mm -hmm. okay, can we just like get, you know. Uh, but then his phone rings. Mm-hmm. Business oh, call. Excuse me. Now I'm going to guess Russ hated this. Sure did. I loved it. Is it okay to this love this? Not really. This was the first <laughs> time when I was just like, John's going to love this. It's double talk. It's famous double talk. It is. Sid Caesar I made don't... it famous. Sid Caesar was the greatest double talker, they say. And yes. Carl Reiner, too, I think. And now Jerry Lewis. Here, look, I think you need to watch all of them to realize that when Sid Caesar does double talk, mm-hmm. It is not the same as Jerry Lewis basically doing a Ching Chong accent. I would disagree. 
I wouldn't disagree with me. <laughs> Here's Sid Caesar doing some double talk from the famous general sketch. Now, that's his German is similar to Jerry's, right? This is BS, John. I'm not listening to it live right now. <laughs> <I can't. laughs> yeah, Russ doesn't hear the clips. For those a little behind the scenes, Russ doesn't hear the clips. I just put them in after. He just knows what I'm talking about. So now I've got to be like, that was perfect. That was totally not offensive. Perfect. And except it might actually be. <laughs> and then say, John, you were right. <laughs> My point uh, is. Okay. We've got a real flaw in the system here, John. You're going to win all of our fights. <laughs> it's not Mickey Rooney, okay? Because he doesn't change his face or anything like that. He kind of does for a second. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, he does. That could be his phone face. His phone face! <laughs> but also, if I may, and this isn't mm-hmm. a fair point, but I think it might explain it a little. Jerry Lewis has a lot of hate in his heart. Well, so he was, al- why- he was alive during the war, right? World War II. Yes. The Germans and the Japanese were our two main enemies. Yes. Therefore, there might be a lack of guilt and or a subconscious feeling of aggression towards making fun of those two places in particular. Sure. And I'm not saying that it okays it, but I'm saying that might explain it. I'm, yes, there there may well be an element of it being okay for, you know, of, of him thinking it is okay for me to say or do what I want when it comes to the Japanese or the Germans because I lived through the war. Indeed. Like when I grew up in Japan and we would get in a cab driver with like an older driver, he uh-huh. usually hated us. Now, sure. it could be he was grumpy, but it was such a pattern <laughs> that we were like, this could be because of the war. It could be. Also, John, I love you to death. You're a pretty loud guy. <laughs> oh, I was did, exactly did like this the, in high school. Yeah, you got into the cab, Richard kinding it up. Just, oh, take us down. Take us to the Met. I'm excited. Like it's Santa. We're going to get food. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been? What, hey, what's good to eat? <laughs> Why don't you like me? Because I'm American? <laughs> <laughs> I had a sushi roll in Tokyo. It was fantastic. <laughs> you know what's weird? Grew up there, almost what? never ate sushi. <laughs> Makes sense. No, but ate a lot of Japanese food, just never sushi. Oh, Bizarre. doesn't make sense. Yeah, doesn't what make sense. What a weirdo. Sense. Yeah, thank you. So Paul tries to get Jerry to sit for an interview. Yep. And... <laughs> The term that he responds with to clarify the direction is sitting nicely like a baby soft. Um, Help, John. I don't know what the hell that means. I don't either. And I love it. It sounds like almost it should be sitting nicely like a baby softly with a comma. And he took yeah. off the adverb part and the comma. Yeah. And- like a baby soft. <laughs> <laughs> Sit like a baby soft. It doesn't make any sense. And I love it. It sounds like a version of New Yorkies. It sounds like a lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> so then he does his physical bit where he sits on the leather couch in his office and just slowly mm-hmm. si- slides to the ground. Exactly like a baby soft. Mm-hmm. That's fun. That's funny. I'm with that. So you like the physical bits. You don't like when he talks in his voice. Probably. Because it's annoying. I, 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 well, I definitely don't like when he talks in his voice. And <laughs> talks I'm... in his voice sounds like baby soft. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Well, yeah, I don't like myself a lot of the time, too, so that makes sense. <laughs> so this tracks. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I think I think a lot of the physical stuff works. He does a physical, the, the, the scene coming up with the, them in the apartment. I think the physical stuff is great. It's so great, and I like the I, I like the slapstick from last week. The slapstick is tough to deny. It is. It's funny. It's always funny. Slapstick's great. Yeah, I think it's because the voice, because we hear him talking, we hear him speaking like a normal person. Yes, and it's very so satisfying, for, and it's fine, and it's nice. So then, for him to not speak like that, it's sure. like, hey, why did you do that? Sure. Why did you say that like that? It's weird. Why aren't you just being a normal person? It's his possibility. It's his. The possibilities are endless <laughs> when it comes to the ways that Jerry Lewis uh, bothers me. <laughs> so we go to the next scene. We're in Paul and Jamie's kitchen that night, presumably. And yeah, Paul's recapping the day. Love this. Love it. Very grounded scene. Very grounded scene. They're doing dishes, and which is funny. I guess Paul really cooked. Great, really great shtick between the two of them about the dishwasher. Apparently so. And he plays the kazoo. That's not dry. Sure, I just dried it. Honey, it's dripping wet. Because cause the towel is wet. I dried it, but I dried it with wet. <laughs> Hence the wetness. You know, if you let me use the dishwasher, we wouldn't be having this discussion. Come on, for two plates? It's always going to be two plates. <laughs> Unless we have kids or a party. You really think it's right to bring a child into the world just to use an appliance? <laughs> He's so, it's so true. So true. When you watch, my favorite part when you dry dishes, my favorite part of the wet. show. My, yeah, my favorite part of the episode. One of we've mine. got Jerry Lewis, we've got Stephen Wright, and this them talk, talking about drying dishes. I mean, that's is my why it's part. a good show. Huh. I could be wrong. I think this is me projecting, but there was something about having. Uh, there's so much fun stuff going on in this episode that Paul almost felt more punchy and alive, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm sure that's not the case. Okay. But every line he had just sounded funnier to me for some reason, including this appliance. Like, I'm like, this appliance line, like, oh, his responses to her are usually funny, but this yes. one really took the cake for me. Oh, yeah. This got me laughing out loud. Yeah. Me too. It's a, it, it's a well-written joke. It might just be an amazing line, huh? Yeah, it's a good joke. Okay. That makes me feel better. Door buzzes. Door goes off. <laughs> <laughs> Door goes off. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, so Paul, I hope I hope we I hope we remember that in the weeks. <laughs> so Paul, so they head to the door and they're t Jamie's a little worried about how Paul's deeply fascinated by this billionaire, and mm -hmm. Jamie's a little concerned about how fascinated he is. Right. But I'm like Jamie, this is exactly the level of fascination he shows to every single documentary subject. Remember him That's with Vacky? Yeah, the peanut guy. That's true. Yeah, but Vacky wasn't showing up at all hours to their home. No, sure, but because he was... Oh, he wasn't dead. Maybe he was. No, no. Okay, well, whatever. But this is his field. Yes. He gets as excited about anyone he's, like, studying. Maybe. I think. Maybe. I mean, we'll continue to see. Sure. It's Freddie at the door. So, uh, guess who? Guess who? It's Freddie at the door, <laughs> and he's followed by Belden, his butler, who now has a tablecloth draped over his head like a ghost. Follow the sound of my voice. That's really funny. <laughs> so Freddie pulls the sheet off and reveals a gift for the couple in mm -hmm. original Da Vinci painting. Yep. Did you recognize the painting? I did not. Me neither. I think we should post it on Twitter and have a sweepstakes. <laughs> Where if anyone that recognizes it. Yes, a Twitter sweepstakes is a sweepstakes. Is a sweepstakes. I like it. Send it. Send in the answers and we won't even check them, but we'll retweet them and say no, they're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Ch 
write in with anything, and we will say that it is right. <laughs> Presumably. Any words in any order we'll say are the right answer for this sweepstakes. Well, it's going to be a Da Vinci B-side because the A-sides are all in museums. Sure. Obviously. <laughs> so I don't think it's that obvious. So, oh, so we got Jerry Lewis's signature now. What is this for? It's for my new friend and his pretty lady. <laughs> incredible. Yep. Little ham He said it. Yeah, he, he said, said it. He thing. said it. Before he does that, though, he does a funny little bit of business with uh, with Belden where. Uh, oh, Yeah. He says the painting is crooked, and he straightens out Belden's shoulders yeah. and to twist his body so that the painting is now being held properly. That's a fun little bit it's of physicality. Yeah. I like that. Oh, gosh. I can feel the, like, uh, I don't know how this guy felt, but I can feel the weight of that, of before the scene, Jerry Lewis being like, hey, can you act slouchy, and then I'm going to do a bit. Yeah. Oh, and then yeah, you yeah, think, yeah, 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 like, yeah. oh, gosh, I hope I don't screw this up. This is Jerry Lewis. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And just being like, are you sure, Jerry? I, I It's not in the script. I don't know if we should. Oh, no. Do you know? It's me. <laughs> yeah. Russ. Do you know who I am? Russ, you don't do that. To Jerry Lewis? <laughs> he asked you to no, do something. Right. You, you don't do sp- it. You don't speak to Jerry Lewis. He, he speaks to you. That's right. You respond. You don't yeah. speak. Do you know about the day the clown died? Of course. Yeah. Do you know about oh, Patton Oswalt? Oh, you think Oswald? that gets made because nobody told him no? Yes. I see. Do I know about Patton Oswalt? Do you know about Patton Oswalt used to do readings of The Day the Clown Died? Oh, I did not. Yes. And he got a cease and desist. Oh, yeah. Sure. Well, a bunch of footage yeah. leaked like two years ago. Yes. I have it. I've never watched it. I downloaded oh, it because I know it might disappear. Send it my way. Oh, That's sure. a mini app. Ah, uh, mini app. Day the Clown Died. We never um, do mini apps directly related to the show. <laughs> no, that's boring. That's what the uh, podcast is for. Yeah. We also. <laughs> There's also yeah. There's also plenty of stuff. We've got plenty of Paul Reiser material, but there's also <laughs> the day the clown died. Oh, so after the painting, Jamie is now like falling for Freddie, mm-hmm. and Paul does a little callback, and he's like, "The man gives you one Da Vinci, suddenly you're his best friend." Yep. So we're back at Puckman Studios in the next scene, and mm-hmm. Paul and Warner editing, and a masseuse is giving a massage. Played she surely is played by Donna Pieroni, mm-hmm. who was just in Feud on FX. Oh, how neat! Yeah. I don't know who she played or whatever, but <laughs> great. Oh, Nona. I don't know. Oh, in the pilot. Oh, I, I fell asleep. I was so I was you know, jet lagged. So she was also on I Love Lucy. That's impossible. She, it is impossible. But I just think it would be funny about how excited you are when you find out that somebody's on I Love Lucy versus how you don't know how like, excited I got just now before <laughs> my my brain caught up to that. That's how I wanted you to behave. You what? I love Lucy. She was? Ba- yeah, that's what my brain did. I guess. You're you. a monster. The- <laughs> uh, this was only your second game. Because you're, like, you're like, I don't know. She's on feud. Who cares? What? No. Oh, sure, I sure, sure. I don't give a half yeah, a garbage too contemporary. <laughs> that's true. But she was on, uh, this is her second gig ever. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's fun. That is fun. She did a, an episode of the Weird Al show. She did a couple. Oh, she was a snappy lady on The Tonight Show. The snapple lady. Cool. Was she, she the Snapple Lady in real life on commercials? Wait, maybe. <gasps> I got to look. Is she the Snapple Lady? I'll bet she is. I'll bet she is. Okay, well, that Google. Oh, wait. Google Wendy the Snapple Lady. Yeah, that's what I should have done. No, <laughs> Wendy Kaufman. Oh. She must just well, look too. similar. Okay. Well, that was exciting and then disappointing. So, <laughs> it is so funny that I just gave you such a hard time 
because I was just like, you were, she would be so excited if she was yeah, on. Yeah, I just gave I you love your Lucy. I love Lucy. And now I'm like, wait, yeah. is she the Snapple Whoa, lady? Oh, oh, my God. oh, my God. Google. Okay, Wendy, W-E-N-D-Y, <laughs> Snapple, two Ps, one L, lady. <laughs> I got a shower. I gotta. I gotta put on a. I gotta put on a suit. We're talking about Wendy the Snapple Lady here. Snapple oh my Lady. <laughs> you ruined it for me now. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, so she's giving Paul a massage while they edit. Right. And uh, it's bothering him. He doesn't want the massage. He's trying to work, which I don't blame him. Uh, sure. But she's under strict orders to yep. do it. So eventually, she, you know, he gets her to stop. And yes. uh, as she exits, she does a second of work on Stephen Wright, where Mm -hmm. she just twists his neck. You make me very tense. (laughs) Do you think she would date me? Don't you think she's a little rough? Yes, I do. Yep. Killing it, Foley guy. Great work. Killing it. Beautiful. Even funnier than the suction cups. (laughs) So good. His type, as we've learned, is annoying and rough. Yes. That's who he's looking for. The repetition of these bits throughout the episode are so good. Masterful. Stephen Wright slays everything. He really does. Gosh, he's so funny. Uh, So Warren shows Paul what he's cut together. Stephen Wright shows Paul what he's cut together. And he calls it the waving montage. And it's just basically it looks like they had a camcorder in there and just told Jerry Lewis to do whatever the hell he wanted for like 20 minutes. And it's great. It's so funny. It's so funny how you think that's great. And I'm just like, no, it's not. Oh, I want to see all the footage. You're just like, yeah, he just tells them what to do for do whatever you want for 20 minutes. And the result is garbage. And you're like, no, it's so funny. It's so great. (laughs) Apparently he licked Warren's eye. Yes, that's silly. And he's not ready to talk about it yet. Paul's looking, they're watching this footage, and Paul says, I don't know what we have here. And Stephen Wright says, and we have 40 reels of it. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so Paul starts the vent about the 40 reels. Yeah. So basically, we have 20-hour days, we have miles of unusable film, and we have no life of our own anymore. On the upside, last night, I had a baked Alaska in Alaska. <laughs> Freddie is very generous. Hey, what did he give you? An autographed Bible. <laughs> wow, man, he knows everybody. Yeah. Bam, bam, bam. Have you ever had a baked and, Alaska? Uh, I have not. It's amazing. I'm sure they're really good. Yeah. I'll I just bet. had one for the first time recently. Oh yeah. Uh huh. I didn't know. Oh. It's like meringue and ice cream and ca- it's like all. Yeah. Oh, it's so many different Everything. textures. It sounds great. Oh, it's heaven. Uh, an autographed Steve. Bible. What a, I mean, that's, that's so oh, funny. It's so classic, too. So funny and so weird. Yeah. This guy um, knows everybody. <laughs> we cut back to the apartment and. Uh, <laughs> it seems as though Pavarotti is there giving a command performance of Pagliacci in their living room. <laughs> and Murray, oh, well, man. they go real hard on the opera singers use Silk Hankies bit. In this they scene, sure do. and everyone and has one, and I love it. I'm I'm in for it. And I'm, I'm in on Murray that. has one why. in his mouth. Yeah, and Paul is using one to dab his tears away from Murray's eyes. Super silly, super fun. 
And this is what I'm, but like in this scene, everyone's overacting a little and Jamie's being so real. Yes. And somehow instead of making it feel like they're in two different shows, it makes it feel like it's all just real. Yes. Maybe that's just a testament to her. Yeah. 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 She grounds the show. She makes it real. In her grounding, she doesn't break apart from their world. She brings them to hers almost. Yes. That's what a good straight person does. I guess you're right. Yeah. So the door goes off again and (laughs) (laughs) it's their doorman, Eddie, who I have we met him before? We have not met him. We have heard about him. Yeah, we've heard about him. We have not met him. He I recognize his face. I didn't look him up. Lou Cattell. Okay. Yes, we all recognize his face. This is a classic character actor. He's 86. Is he still kicking? Yeah, he just did uh, Grey's Anatomy two years ago. Wow, good for you, Lou. He did Betty White's sketch show. Or, oh, the prank show off their rockers. Okay, great. Uh, he did a Spin City, blah, 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 blah. Two guys are going to the pizza place. Almost perfect. Oh, he played Dr. Cooperman in the Fusilli Jerry. I think I remember okay. him. Is that doctor? No, yes, I don't. Yes, I think I do. Okay, cool. <laughs> I don't think is I do. Fusilli, is the Fusilli Jerry all, also the ass man? He may be the He's ass man. He's the ass man. Yeah. I think he is. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Wow. And then he got, uh, I guess he got let go. (laughs) That's a doorman. (laughs) He also did a new heart. He did the Bob Newhart show. Oh, we're getting close. (sighs) He did a My Three Sons. If he did an I Love Lucy, I'll lose it. Nobody did do a Dick Van Dyke show. Cool. That was his first gig. Oh, neat. That's pretty fun. And he's in a million movies. He's had a cool career, including Wedding Crashers. Oh, cool. And then on Broadway. Oh, and he's in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Dr. Brainard. I don't remember him. Oh. I don't remember any scientist from that movie. I just remember. uh, Except the scientist. Yeah. He also did a little off Broadway play called Viagra Falls. (laughs) Well, it sounds hilarious. 2010 at Theater Row. Anyway, he's the doorman. (laughs) And he he asked him to keep it down. He's gotten a few complaints from the neighbors and he wants them to turn the stereo down. Mm -hmm. And as that happens, out walks. Pavarotti and Jamie says, thank you so much, Luciano. Yeah. And it's very, very funny. Yeah. And I'll he be- says, Arrivederci. Yeah, I would kill to know who, who played him, who played the back I'll of Pavarotti. Was, was it Larry David again? <laughs> <laughs> Although I guess Larry David wasn't the back of Steinbrenner. So. Oh, you're right. Great point. That's not an exact one-to-one. Nope. So, oh, so they, uh, you know, they start thanking Jerry Lewis, of course, for making this all happen. Great! Did I tell you oh. that kid have a set of pipes on him? Oh. You know, could he would not have been a big trouble for us to take a cab uptown. No, I don't like the Met, Paul. They don't let you sing along, and they're always shushing. Uh, this was just terrific. I, I can't believe I didn't even have to wait to the intermission to go to the John. I can't believe that he could hold that one note the whole time I was peeing. Pavarotti held the note while Paul was peeing. <laughs> Very silly. So Wednesday night, they had the rainbow room to themselves, I guess. He rented it out for them, which is amazing. And Mm -hmm. uh, Freddie didn't go with them that night, apparently, because he can't dance with a partner. He can only do solo work. Right. So Paul puts on some music, some old, great, classic. I I tried sound hounding it for five minutes. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, two minutes, but that's why I was a little later. (laughs) That's so funny. Because I really, it's a great song, but it wouldn't come up. So Jamie insists that Freddie dance with her, and mm-hmm. he it's this great bit that you just have to see. Yeah. We're watching Jerry Lewis act like he doesn't know where to put his arms when he dances with someone for a minute. It's very silly. And it, everyone dies, and that's great. He basically puts his arms every possible 
place you could put them without touching her. It was great. Like every Lots gap of fun that's to watch. formed from someone waiting to be danced with. Wow, <laughs> I don't know how to say it in a way that doesn't sound weird. <laughs> no, he he like he he moves. I mean, he moves. It, it, you're trying to explain slapstick. You gotta watch it. You just watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. While just trying to watch Jerry Lewis touch a woman while dancing is very funny. Yes. So Freddie, he's bad at it. Yeah, he's bad at it. <laughs> so they dance for a while, and it's very sweet. And then, and Paul watches with uh, Marie. Yep. And then. Uh, Freddie has Paul step in and he does yep. a little dumb joke that I love when he's like, your sure. turn, Paul. And then he goes to dance with Paul and he's like, I'm just teasing. Yeah. I'm just teasing. Yeah. And then Paul and Jamie dance and it's very sweet. Yeah. And he dips her and they kiss and it's lovely. It's perfect. And then they are tired and the night is tired. Oh, I am. Me too. It's been a busy week. Really? Oh, I was working really hard on your film today. What film, Paul? Your film. You're still working on that? I thought I was, yes. Good for you. I like a man with an attention span. Well, yeah, you should, you should really come down and see it. I was there. Well, what, what was the point of the whole thing? We had fun, didn't we? Yes, we did. And thanks again for another wonderful night. Thank you, Jamie. It was great. It really was a, a terrific night. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I just. <laughs> <laughs> so this scene is a beautiful way to wrap the whole thing up in that. Oh, he's just like this because he's lonely. Is it? I think it's forced. <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> I guess. I OK, perfect. I meant apt. How about apt? Or uh... sure. Yes. I mean, look. The idea of him Soft being lonely, I would have loved if they had said if they had said at the beginning, he's a little bit clingy, but it's because he's alone. You get a lot more leeway from you. Yes. I don't know if that changes anything for me. You know what but, made this yeah. episode truly perfect? What's that? If they had just mentioned that he was lonely 15 minutes ago instead of now. <laughs> instead of now. No, I, I don't. I don't feel it. You don't agree? No, but someone should re-edit this for you so that you can enjoy it more. I'll just come up with one criticism for every episode. <laughs> and then we can that, change it. <laughs> yeah. Somebody goes back and makes the Russ edit. And then we can send it to Sony and be like, we think you might enjoy this version a little more. Great news. We fixed your show. <laughs> so Jerry Lewis is not leaving. He doesn't want he's not. No. He knows the hint is clear. He's just not taking mm-hmm. it. So Paul and Jamie try another tactic. They're like, let's clean up. But he offers the help. And then he does the obligatory mad about you guest star beat where he tells them what a great couple they are what he you loves guys are great them. you're so lucky They're i'm so, so glad that you're here yeah you're it's a little wrong. different than usual yeah. but the feeling is the same yes just repointing out to them yep <laughs> why they were you guys have it great yeah so eventually paul stops being polite and mm-hmm. and he starts getting real yeah is tired freddie no i don't sleep you know freddie see the thing is we kind of do. Honey. Well, okay, now he knows. If it's out in the open, I'm not ashamed of it. Yes, we sleep, okay? Freddie, Freddie, he doesn't mean to be rude, really. No, I'm not being rude. I'm just, you know, I, I'm, I'm just you're trying to... You're being honest. I'm being honest. Okay, if he's being honest, let me be honest also. I mean, I rearranged my life for you two people because I wanted to be friends with you. We are friends. Of course we are. Yeah, you're boring friends. <laughs> All you want to do is sleep. I just don't want to sleep, well, and, and I'm not going to sleep. You don't, you don't have to sleep. I mean, why do I have to sleep? You, because you have to sleep. You don't have to. Whatever well, I'm want. not going to sleep. And when you get what? up tomorrow morning, don't call me, okay? I mean, I don't need this. Come on, Belden, move it. 
Freddy. God, you hurt his feelings. You're so mean. <laughs> How am I mean? I'm, I'm just tired. Well, I'm going to talk to him. Are we still on for tomorrow? <laughs> yes. Yes, of yes, course. Yes, we are. Sure. Breakfast? Great. Breakfast. Okay, Good. now, after breakfast... Freddy. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. The real world. Buckman House. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, A, I like that they don't let him be sympathetic because he's sort of a jerk when he's turned down. Mm-hmm. But then also he comes right back for breakfast in the morning. Very weird. It's very too much. Silly. Too much. I'm sick of him and I love this episode. Yeah. <sighs> Nobody learns anything. Yeah. So Which he's is fine. He, yeah, of but... course. Yeah. <laughs> you want a lesson. Uh, <laughs> so he leaves finally. And uh, Jamie. Well, they, they. I mean, look, they learn lessons on this show. Uh, they do. It's not, absolutely. Nece- it's not. It's not necessary for every show, but they learn lessons on Matt about you. Definitely, it's, and so do we. Yes. So it's strange for this for the lesson of this show to be, boy, that guy was annoying, huh? Well, I guess this is our life now. <laughs> yeah, you're right. But at least, uh, at least he speaks up against Matt of the house. I was, I, I was impressed with that. Sure. I'm very bad that's at that. True. I guess that's why I was impressed. Yes. I'm yeah, very bad true. at that. Oh, man. So he's gone. They just sort of like sit on the couch. And mm-hmm. uh, Jamie wants to set him up with Paul's Anselma. Question. Yeah. We heard about Anselma a couple of weeks ago. She lives in Bensonhurst. Was that her? Sh- I her believe spiel? so. And could stop the subway with her foot. Okay. Right. Who Didn't somebody die? Wasn't there a funeral? Oh, was it Anselma's funeral? I'm trying to remember. No, it's, look- it wasn't. Because Anselma was annoyed Paul wasn't at the funeral, I think. Okay, maybe Anselmo was. Uh, yeah. Okay. Great. Good. I just I remembered the word. I remembered Anselma and funeral, and I was just like, wait, is wasn't she dead? What's going on? Oh wow, so, okay. that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> Again, speaks to oh. my theory about not a, a different dimension. I <laughs> I would rake Paul Riser over the coals for that one. <laughs> yeah. Excuse me, sir. Uh, Russ Fader, mad about mad about you. Now, in uh, episode five of season one, uh, you refer to an Aunt Selma as uh, having passed away. Then later, you want to fix up Jerry Lewis with Aunt Selma. Why do you want to yeah. fix up Jerry Lewis uh, with a corpse? Explain. <laughs> yeah, the the spiritual incongruity of this show really makes me crazy. <laughs> so they're laying on the couch together and... Appreciating their newfound silence. Yep. You know, Freddie's sweet, but it's nice having just us again. Yes, it is. Mm. You know what I love about you? What? You are one beautiful lady. And Paul gets to do his Jerry Lewis. Great. Yeah. And uh, and they freeze frame on the fade out of them in an embrace. It's so believable. They're such a believable married couple. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's really crazy. They're- they're really great. It's very strange that they are not actually married. Yeah, I've never felt so fooled no. on a TV show. No. I have to keep reminding myself they're not really married. Yeah. You know, we were watching shows. We were watching TV before, and there was some commercial. And it was, I think, for a rest, a, a restaurant or a company. I'm not sure what it was. I can't remember <laughs> what it was. But it was just like, you know, it was the sort of thing where they interviewed somebody who was selling something. And you're like, <laughs> do you think that she really? Boy. Descriptions of commercials are you just or anything describing without commercials. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, B- badly yeah. and vaguely. <laughs> but the point was, we asked the question. We were like, "Does that person really work for that company?" Oh, that's a good commercial. Yeah, right. Because 
And the answer is probably not. Yes, because, no, yeah, the but, answer, yeah. yeah, it has to be like, no, that's what acting is. That's the way commercials work. It is weird, like, though, that they lie to you like that. It, it's very weird. It bothers me. So, yeah. Because I'm like, why should I listen to you now? Y- yes. So the bottom line is those commercials are very much like this television show, in which case, <laughs> to say that I want Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt to really be married. <laughs> right. Because I'm like, but you guys are playing a married couple. Right. You should be married. This doesn't make sense otherwise. Yeah, fair. So, so this is one big commercial, one big bad commercial. <laughs> this show. Absolutely. So we get the tag, which I, is this mm-hmm. the first time it's an outtake? I mean, with the exception of the made for TV movie goof. Oh, that is a very nice no. Oh, no. Yeah, I, that wasn't an outtake. Oh, do you think that was an outtake from the cold open? No. Uh, to me, that just felt like they shot extra. I mean, maybe. Oh, oh okay, yeah. That this, felt full circle. This felt like this is a bad take from earlier. Yes, it's something extra. Yeah, this yeah. is the first time that somebody couldn't hold it together. Yeah, 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 Paul. It's, yeah. We, so we see the, uh, we get another beat of Jerry Lewis doing the Stephen Wright's character. This is my, my new editor and cameraman, Warren Mermelman. Mr. Mermelman. 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 It Paul's a mess. And Paul Reiser is just a blubbering idiot. It's great. And and Jerry Lewis breaks kinda too. Yeah, a little bit. From Paul Reiser breaking. Yeah. And also he he whispers something. I think he can't remember the person's actual name. Oh, by the is end of it. that what happens? Yes. He, ch- he tries oh, to say, he's like, call me Warren. So and he says something funny. else, and then he has to be corrected. Yeah. Oh, well, that's part of the scene. That may be true. And the first one, he's like, my name's Warren. He's like, Marvin. Marvin. Okay, right. Right. That's true. Which really killed me. The audience didn't <laughs> laugh at that, but I thought that was so funny. Uh, the audience didn't laugh at that, but I thought that was so funny. Colon, the John Marbley story. <laughs> That is true. <laughs> and that's the episode. Yeah. We did it again. What an episode. I, I love this episode. The Billionaire. I like it okay. <laughs> I like it more now than I did at the beginning, which is to be said also for basically all episodes of this show. You liked Talking it. about it with you. Talking oh, about yes. it on the podcast and with you makes ah, me like yeah. the show. Yeah, oh, great. I cheer you up a little about the show. So like that's that. nice. The one arena in which people feel positive after talking to me about the topic. <laughs> <laughs> so, folks, that is it. What else is going on? You know, I do shows on Tuesdays at the Magna Theater with Squash. It's super fun. I also have shows once a month there with the sequel. Come and check them out, 29th and 8th. John, what's happening with you? You've got stuff, don't you? No. No stuff? Well, uh, my short premiered, I don't know, a week or two ago now. I don't know when this thing's going up exactly. So go back in time and see it. How was it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I meant from when this will air. Okay. Are you, are you pleased with the short? Are you doing a time bit? No, I'm not. Oh, I thought you were doing a time bit, and I thought that was really no. funny. Am I pleased with it? Yes. I don't want I don't know. I don't, yeah. Yeah, I am. Okay. Yeah. We're good. Listen, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever people it's see great. and think, good for them. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Who am I to say? You can tweet at us at MadAboutYouPod. You can find us on Facebook. You can, should, and must uh, find, like, rate, and review us on iTunes. Or wherever Subscribe. you listen. 
Wherever you we listen. got Stitcher going. Stitcher. I signed up for TuneIn, whatever that is. Great. I don't know if any of you use that. I never even heard of it. And uh, then some other one, I think. <laughs> Great. <laughs> some other but service. Yeah. I don't know. I think we're in all of them now, basically. Awesome. So if you listen to it not on iTunes, we're probably there now as of yeah, this week. We, so knock yourself we out. See, we see and appreciate all of yes. it and all of and you. If, and if we're on a thing that you prefer to listen on and we're not on and we're not on there, let us know and we'll get on there. Yeah. I'm all about signing up for all these things. For sure. We want to reach you, the people. That's it for now. Yeah, thanks Gosh. for listening. For sure. Our uh, theme music is by the wonderful Mr. John D. Ivy. Our logo is by Nathan Diffie. He is at Nathan Diffie. That's D-I-F-F-E-E. And uh, they're great. And thanks to them. Sound mixing is by Vukivanovich. Thank you. Thank you, sir. For saving me countless hours of work on bad hours. hours. <laughs> rise, guys, and rise, gals. Thanks so much. We will catch you again very, very soon. I'm Russ Vader. And I'm John Marbley. And this, this is, is what we're saying. saying.